This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 23, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The push for more renewable energy within states might end up costing ratepayers more than they think. Dave Stevenson, a director at the Caesar Rodney Institute in Delaware, says the renewable portfolio standard that many states are working to adopt may leave ratepayers in the cold. The renewable portfolio standard is a progressive idea that each state should be switching from using fossil fuels for generating electricity to using wind and solar power that uh, supposedly don't emit any carbon dioxide emissions. What generally happens is there's a standard set, uh, a target somewhere out in the future. For example, in Delaware, it's uh, 25% of our power is supposed to come from these wind and solar sources by 2025. All right. How how far are states into that? How many states do this, and uh, how far are they toward doing it? Uh, it's it's thirty something states are uh, involved in this. Some of the states have voluntary targets. Some have less aggressive star- targets. A few, like California, have more aggressive targets. So, uh, but Delaware is one of the more aggressive states, particularly if you're looking east of the Mississippi. Now, a lot of states just have the renewable target. You can meet it however you want. Delaware actually has a carve-out for solar power, which is generally more expensive. Uh, The governor has also begun talking about offshore wind power, which is astronomically more expensive. All right. So how does that affect energy rates? Well, it's going up. As recently as 2003, Delaware had competitive electric rates with the rest of the country. Now we're about 30% higher than the uh, typical, uh, typical state in the United States. So that causes problems. You, uh, when you have an industry that is using a lot of electricity, such as a steel mill, auto assembly plant, a chemical plant, um, oil refinery, if they're paying a lot for electricity, they're going to leave. And we've had that happen in Delaware. In fact, if you look at the uh, you look at the states that have adopted energy policies uh, like Delaware, uh, all from Maryland up to Maine, uh, just finished an analysis that showed they have lost thirty five percent of their uh, energy intensive businesses, but they've also lost about thirteen percent of the total manufacturing base. You compare that to states that haven't done these same policies, and they've actually gained 15% in manufacturing base. So those are the kinds of jobs that you can go to high school and get a $75,000 a year job in a steel mill or a chemical plant. Those, those just aren't existing. So what we see is uh, economic growth stops. Delaware right now is dead last in economic growth. And in wage growth, Delaware is also dead last in wage growth. We've actually seen family incomes drop since 2007 from $87,000 a family down to below $60,000. Why are states adopting this? It seems that the the appropriate level of government to be talking about uh, global warming and trying to impact the climate uh, in a positive way is the federal government. And if not that, then, you know, agreements among governments. Yes. Ideally, yes. If you're going to do something like this. So here's what happens. So you get a state like Delaware, California, Massachusetts. They've got very aggressive policies. They wind up shifting these jobs to other states 
So the carbon dioxide that they're trying to reduce is still getting emitted, but you're losing the jobs uh, from one state to the other. If we, if we had a national policy similar to that, what you'd see is the jobs would switch from the U.S. entirely and wind up going elsewhere, as we've seen to some degree anyway. But this accelerates it. How much of this uh, renewable energy is being generated, uh, at least with respect to Delaware, inside Delaware? Well, that, that's kind of disappointing. Right, right now, what they do is they start off with a low number, and then each year you're supposed to add a, a percentage. We're roughly the, the requirement right now is about 16% of our power from wind and solar. But in practice, actual generation in Delaware is only about 2%, and most of it's solar. So the reason for that is uh, you're allowed to buy energy credits from other states and use them in Delaware. So, so, so states that have generated uh, excess uh, wind and solar uh, power or other renewable power sell you, in a, in, a, in a sense, their excess. Yes. So the so the jobs, if there, you know, what jobs there are creating a wind park, say, in, on the mountaintops in Pennsylvania or Maryland, um, those jobs go there, but the cost of those jobs goes to Delaware. It's a lose-lose situation. And you take, you take a small state like Delaware or even uh, uh, take, take the entire nation. The Clean Power Plan that came out of the EPA, federal EPA, was to create a national carbon tax and lower the amount of fossil fuel generation and increase wind and solar power. So we were, we were looking at trying to reduce emissions of carbon dioxide by 30%. The impact of that on global temperatures was two one-hundredths of a degree by 2100. So you've got essentially no positive impact on the environment with these programs, and yet you're, you're just putting us at a disadvantage either state by state, region by region, or, or the whole nation, if the whole nation were to adopt that. It, it seems like uh, individual states would, would look at their neighbors and say, if you're not doing it, I'm not doing it. But, but states, you know, dozens of states have uh, adopted this to some extent. I, we're living the green dream. I mean, you know, this was a, a series of policies that uh, the environmental organizations came up with. Instead of saying, what's the best way to reduce carbon dioxide? They basically said we have to do it this way. Now, the United States has actually reduced, reduced uh, carbon dioxide emissions uh, twice as much as the rest of the developed world, uh, using 2005 as the base year. We've, we've had about a 14% uh, uh, reduction in carbon dioxide emissions, where the rest of the developed world only went down about half that much. And meanwhile, the developing world is up 45%. So we've actually seen an increase in the total emissions uh, as we export jobs and we export uh, emissions elsewhere. And those emissions come with a lot dirtier emissions. So you're also getting more air pollution on top of the carbon dioxide. But we, we shouldn't begrudge low-income people in, in low-income countries from wanting to improve their own lot, of course. Absolutely. I mean, what we're <laughs> the thing that keeps you up at night, over the last couple of decade, decades, about... 800 million more people have gotten access to electricity. What that means is you've got, instead of women spending all day gathering wood for a fire, gathering uh, uh, water, uh, 
not being able to go to school. Uh, they, they, you know, there's no electricity to help get any of that. They're walking miles for the water. Uh, as soon as they get electricity, you get better sanitation, you get water supply, you get a way to cook. And that's when education goes up. As education goes up, birth rates go down, infant mortality goes down. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable benefit. The United Nations has a, a term for it. It's called the Human Development Index. And the controlling factor is how much electricity you have access to. So we've had 800 million people now have relatively stable electricity. There's still 1.1 billion people in the world that have no access to electricity. And they're going to get it from coal-fired power plants. They're the simplest, the cheapest, and most countries have some degree of coal. And you can dig it out by hand so people will wind up getting jobs. So one of the things uh, we've tried to do in Delaware, most of these renewable portfolio standards come with cost caps. If it raises electric rates by more than a certain percentage, uh, you're supposed to have a freeze in how much more you have to add. So Ohio had this problem. Uh, they had a 4% cost cap, and now Ohio is actually frozen, uh, having to buy more wind and solar power. Delaware's cost cap was exceeded in 2012, but we've never had a freeze. The Energy and Climate Division, who with that kind of name is certainly not biased in any way, has figured out ways to avoid the freeze. Uh, we've had some lawsuits uh, along with the public advocate in Delaware, who were, it's a state agency that worries about people's electric rates, and we're having the cost cap regulations rewritten, and we expect those to be completed shortly, and we may be able to free, freeze <clears throat> the requirement for more wind and solar in Delaware, and we're encouraging other states to do, to do that. Another thing that's really worked for us is we got the cost of this actually shown on electric bills. I think there's only one other state, Arkansas, that has done that. So by having it on the electric bills, you can look at it each month and you can see, this is costing me 10 bucks a month uh, right now, uh, 120 bucks a year. And uh, if we didn't have this policy, I wouldn't be paying that money. For low-income people, that makes a difference. Dave Stevenson directs the Center for Energy Competitiveness at the Caesar Rodney Institute. We spoke at the 2017 State Policy Network Annual Meeting. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.